On today's episode of I Didn't Say That, we are the elephants in the room. Literally. Let's go! So, we are. We're on a mission. We're on a mission. We're on a mission. Where we last, when we last left off. We had gone to one campaign event. We'd gone to a Tulsi Town Hall on New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. Which is what normal people do. Exactly. Exactly. And we encountered Fred the Felon. The first encounter with Fred the Felon. First encounter with Fred the Felon. Um, and just the... Look, it's like it's like opening a can of Pringles. You can't stop with just one. No. You really can't. Um, it's addictive. It's a drug. We, and we caught the bug. For the past week and a half, we've been, when not at work, on the campaign trail. And it's been amazing. And it's been incredible. There's been highs. There's been lows. Um, there's been great questions. There's been angry. It's been everything. So we're just going to start at the top. We're just going to walk you through this. And... This is going to be part of a continuing series we do for the next 30 days because I do think it's really, it's not to get all like sappy or whatever about it, but it is really interesting to hear what other people in your community ask these candidates, right? We have a very, we're in a very unique position in New Hampshire. We get to ask the potential leader of the free world anything we want when we corner them in a bookstore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so we kind of, it's this really cool thing that we get to go through every four years. And um, you learn a lot about where these candidates come from. And you learn a lot about your community as well. Um, and it's just a blast to do. So anyways, Tulsi Town Hall is when we last left you off. We wake up the next morning and we, we it was it was New Year's, but we're not really New Year's Eve's pe- New Year's people. So we were in bed at 1215 and, you know, I'm up at eight o'clock the next morning and I went through my morning routine, having a cup of coffee, cleaning things up downstairs, you know, taking care of the dishes and all that. And I, uh, I get a text from from Katie. Yes, we're in the same house. We're in the same house. She's upstairs. She's still in bed. She's still in bed. (laughs) Anyone who knows Katie knows she's still in bed. And um, and so uh, she's like, do you want to go to the gang rally tonight, today? No, no, no. I think I said, do you want to go see Andrew Yang in Nashua? In Nashua. At 11.45. I was like, yeah. Let's do it. We had woken up in enough time, walked the dog, worked out, got everything ready, hit the road. Well, Andrew we Yang thought it was enough and time. So, and so we thought we had enough time because we got there early for Tulsi. And, you know, we talked you through no, no, how no. we had the... We got there on time for Tulsi and we had to sit through exactly. okay, like enough. 30 minutes of songs from her campaign manager. Of leftist folk so, music, yeah. Right. So we're now like, okay, these events really start 30 minutes after the fact. So like... Even though we didn't quite leave with enough time to get there at eleven forty-five, like we should be there around noon. Well, anyway, we didn't get there around noon. We got there around twelve fifteen because parking in Nashua was a nightmare, which is shocking for anyone who's lived in a city because like Nashua is like not that big. So we didn't get there till twelve fifteen. Yep, we didn't get there until twelve fifteen, and we get in, and basically it's time for 
Uh, they already started questions. So yeah, we missed the whole stump missed speech. Missed the whole thing. We heard like we two missed, questions. We only heard two questions. And I was like, this is a bummer. But we did get to see. So this is very interesting. And it'll make more sense to you as we go through all of the town halls we've done. But Tulsi was like 40, 50 people. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Yang and it's well over 100. Like it was... Yeah, was, that, that first Yang event was probably bigger. 150, 200 people. And it was like, whoa, this is much bigger. And this is like New Year's Day, 11.45 a.m., y'all. So this is like, and it's a lot of young people. Hey, I was about to say, not only not only is it 11.45 in the morning, these kids were probably there at 11 o'clock in the morning on New Year's Day, it is it's a great showing for that kind of time. It's a great showing. So... We only got to do here question, two questions. I forget what the first one was about. The second one was about Syria. Mm-hmm. And Yang kind of answered them a little tersely and a little like, I didn't get a good vibe from him. I, I, like, I got a good vibe from Tulsi and I didn't get a good vibe from Yang. And I was like, I was Yang just, looked exhausted. He was exhausted. He looked absolutely exhausted. Yeah. And, but... Um, when we got in, there were so many people, I was like, okay, we're making a beeline for, we're going to go around and get closer to him. So we want to, I directed us to go around to the right side. So we were on mm. the right side of him, which ended up in our favor because that's where the photo line ended up being. So yep. we got a photo with him, which so- is one of our missions to get a photo with all of the candidates, which for many given day is anywhere from 12 to 15. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was that. And then that was. So I feel like we should just go into when we saw Yang again the second time. It's a little unfair to be like, that's our review of Yang. That's not our review of Yang. We're going to review Yang later. We're okay. Just going, all right. We're all just right. going, we're just we're going, going go chronological order. Okay. So now at this point, we've got the bug. What can we do next? And this is Wednesday. So we're going on mobilize.us, the left wing, you know, like organizing website. And um, and we see that Cory Booker is in town the next day. He's in at Exeter. Exeter High School at seven thirty, and uh, each of us have some pretty beefy commutes. Um, but we're like, it was you know the day after New Year's. It was you know this was kind of it's it was still a throwaway throwaway time uh, in the corporate world. And so we uh, were like, well, we could just leave work early and get there. And sure enough, we did. And uh, Booker, Exeter High School. And there, the campaign said the crowd was 400 people, which I believe. Yeah, it was beefy. Like, yeah. there were no seats left. Which preferably, we wanted to stand anyway. You got a much better view. He was kind mm-hmm. of on, like, it was a weird setup. Well, a little weird setup. It was a good setup. He he was on a little bit of an elevated platform in the middle, and then people were sitting all around mm-hmm. him, like, in a circle. Yeah. But the flag was behind him, and the cameras were on one side. So even though it was a circle, he pretty much spoke towards the camera view, and Precisely. so we stood kind of near the cameras. Exactly, yep. And um, he was really impressive. He was like, if any of you have ever taken a public speaking course, they'll tell you, you know, engage the audience with a personal story. We've like, don't give away what you're going to say at the beginning, mm-hmm. kind of like bring them in, uh, engage with the audience, whether that be like asking them questions or whatnot. And he like, basically hit like every single thing a public speaking course tells you to do. You know, I think. I think the easiest thing that it reminds me of is a good pastor or a good priest. Yeah, for Everyone's sure. been to church and has had someone who's just 
not good at giving a sermon, not good at giving a homily, like just not able to really engage with, you know, us lay people. Um, Cory Booker, my main takeaway, one, this guy's really sincere. Um, I've got my own personal story about it, but suffice to say, everyone I've ever talked to who's ever met the guy is like, nope, he's legitimate. This is genuine. Like he's, he's really a nice guy, but he reminded me of like, he would be an amazing pastor. He's someone who like, you felt good after listening to his speech, because even though he touched on a lot of negative things and his prescriptions for these problems, obviously I really don't agree with that much, but you walked away with like, this guy's heart is truly in the right place. Like, he actually cares about people. And I will say, if you've never heard the story about Cory Booker's parents and how they bought their first house, go online and read it. It's it's worth a listen. It's worth a listen. It's worth a read. It, you know, what? one thing that Democrats have complained about and continue to complain about is that Iowa and New Hampshire are too white. They don't represent the Democrat base. They don't represent the rest of the country. You know, why are we spending so much why are we putting so much of an emphasis on these two states why are they so important and i really do think it's one of the things i we would never hear a story like that if it wasn't for the new hampshire primary and i think it was eye-opening and hearing these different stories and different experiences from these candidates why don't you tell them the story well the story is basically this that they were trying to buy a house in new york new jersey it was still very much segregated and very much redlined and they come up, came across a house that essentially they were like, hey, we'd like to buy this house. And the real estate agent was like, nope. Well, the real estate agent said it's sold. And they were it's like, sold. huh, that's weird. Like, it's on the market. Uh, so they went to either a lawyer or an agent mm-hmm. and told them the story. And so they basically set up a sting operation. Yeah. And so I don't know if it was the same house or a different house, but they sent they basically sent in a white couple and they were like, oh, the house is for sale. And they're like, great, I want to buy it. And then at closing time, the uh, Booker's family came in yes. with a lawyer. And apparently, like, the real estate agent went nuts and, like, sicked like a, like, dog, a dog, dog on Corey him. Booker's dad or something like that. And it got, it was, it was a true confrontation. Um, but anyways, got the house. You know, thanks to this sort of, you know, bait and switch maneuver. <laughs> vigilante. You know, this vigilante bait and switch they pulled on this racist real estate agent. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just. Anyways, they, I thought you, it was I thought it was a very compelling uh, story. I, and he like, wove it into a narrative about, you know, I think his overarching thing is, you know, you know how just just how much he loves his country and loves his fellow man and wants to see everyone do better and that there is injustice out there you know and it's something we can solve it's not a big of a deal yeah and i really nothing's not a big deal but i like, came away know. from his speech feeling very invigorated and very like wanting to help out the country yes. not to be a democrat <laughs> to like help out the republicans and the trump mm-hmm campaign i felt like very inspired and so i'm very surprised that democrats who have had an opportunity to listen to him and the other candidates aren't more moved i think he might be too positive i think there's such a strain and 
in the Democrat Party of anger, and we'll get into this with the next candidate that we go to, but there's such a strain of this anger in the Democrat Party where the you'll see this, the candidates that have attracted us the most are very much positive people. They're looking forward. And I, yeah. I couldn't contrast something different. And by the way, I do want to point out, Cory Booker used his event as a canned food drive, which I thought was really cool. He knew he was going to attract hundreds of people to an event. Let's do some good with it. And they did do good with it. I thought it was a very unique thing for I, a campaign to do that I really liked. I also want to preface that it wasn't all like sunshine and flowers. Like no. he definitely said negative things about Trump. He definitely said negative things about how he felt the country was going, uh, which we obviously disagreed with. But mm-hmm. he wove in enough positive and great stories that I didn't walk away from that feeling really super angry. No, it was a. It was like a. Like I said, it's like a pastor. It's like a good priest who acknowledges like the fire and brimstone. But leaves you, you know, being like, Jesus loves me. And that's awesome. You know, like, that's, like, that's kind of what it was. Which brings, <laughs> which brings, which reminds me of why I feel, I personally feel like he would make an amazing pastor is he had a moment where he said, it was something along the lines of people who feel disconnected from the community. And he, he said a lot about like, we love you, we're here for you. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's something you hear in a church where someone's like, where the pastor's usually like, Jesus loves you. Like, you're loved, your life mm-hmm. is valued. And that's where I really was like, have you missed your calling? Like, maybe it, you should be in the Christian, like, leadership faith. It truly blows me away. He's not doing better than he is. Um, I can't imagine a bigger contrast between Cory Booker and the next candidate that we saw, which was on Friday afternoon oh. in Summersworth um, at a little tea shop. Can I love can the I, tea, by the can way. I, set I like this up? the tea. You set this because up. You this, this up. really riled me up. So this was in Summersworth, which is a town uh, right over from us and is actually a place where we usually do our shopping. And it's in a little tea shop that's in their, like, downtown area, which any place in New Hampshire downtown is kind of, like, in quotes. It's, like, a couple of blocks. And it's actually been on my radar because it's been a place that has bubble tea. And for those who know me, know I'm obsessed with bubble tea. And so I've been kind of wanting to try it. And so I was like, great. We're going to go to Teetoler, and Michael Bennett's going to be there, and we can try out the bubble tea. This is going to be great. And we're both like, this is probably going to be a small showing because this place like we driven we had driven by it one or two times so we knew like space wise it wasn't very big and Bennett's not pulling well I was about to say I think the bigger thing is is like this was the first candidate were like Tulsi's at three percent Yang's at like three or four percent Booker is at like two or three percent so those candidates you kind of expected similar crowd sizes to Bennett I was like Oh, this is going to be interesting to see who shows up to it. Yeah. So we were like, we better like do some investigation and read about like what he's all about because odds are we may need to ask questions because like I'm one of those people where if I go to see someone speak and they ask for questions and anyone like no one asks a question, I feel bad. I feel like I need to help them exactly. out. So I felt like it was going to be that kind of situation. But, at the, like, same, but at the same time, we always go prepared for questions and there's going to be more tales of questions that come from this. But generally speaking, like at these events, like if there's some like really like riled up supporters that want some questions, I'm not going to raise my hand. I'd rather have them ask their question because they're so much more invested in it than I am. Um, plus 
there's like a 50% chance that what comes out of their mouth is complete insanity. And which that's I, the fun stuff. Which I'm here for. And we'll get into that with with uh, a, a couple candidates down the road. But like you said, Michael Bennett, there were 15 people there. We were the youngest people there. 15? That's generous. I feel like there were 10. Well, for 10, 10 15, whatever it, whatever it may be. It was a very intimate gathering. It was very intimate. For a United States senator. And the craziest part was it was the shortest one we went to. Yeah, it was an hour. Like, he did his, like, speech, took a few questions, and then, like, vomitosed out of there. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So, anyway, so he goes up. He speaks. He's, like, kind of awkward. He's If you've ever seen South Park, which, honestly, I don't watch very much, there's – Max will help me out with this. There's this teacher there. What's Mr. his name? Mr. Mackey. The guidance counselor, she, yeah, Katie thinks she's like Mr. Okay, he was like, imagine that guy giving a speech. That was Michael Bennett. So, background of Michael Bennett, if you don't know him, this is someone who's like considered a very moderate Democrat, a very mild mannered person, someone who cares very much about fiscal responsibility, kind of like in that. He's got a little bit of that old Western tradition. He, he comes from a business background, but he also has this kind of old Western tradition uh, in in him of like the little bit more of the independence, more fiscal responsibility. He's not he's not a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren type. He's more he's closer to Joe Manchin than he is to them. Um, but explain but, his plan. But two things: one. He tried to come off as extraordinarily angry. Yeah. like Which was seemed totally out of character to how he's won his Senate seat, where he was a very like mild mannered, like, I'm a responsible I'm a responsible father. I'm a I'm a good businessman. Right. And we had just you know, come from Tulsi and Booker, where a lot of what they said was we need to be united, we need to not demonize people who voted for Trump, we need to be able to see point both points of view. And then you get this Bennett guy who's got a handful of people there and he's just coming out being like the republicans need to be destroyed the yeah the freedom caucus is evil like it was crazy mcconnell needs to be taken out and it was like whoa i feel extremely uncomfortable like if this man knew i was a republican he might shoot me like it was, oh i'm not it, gonna go that far but but it was it was it like, was uncomfortable it was really weird that it, it was you don't expect that kind of well, I didn't expect to just like knowing who he is and how he's also trying to position himself. He's out there being like, hey, I, um, you know, I'm I come from a purple state. I'm a fiscal conservative. You know, I'm the guy who can beat Donald Trump and I can go into these purple states and win it. And he is like straight up going after Trump and going after Trump supporters and going after all Republicans. It's like, how do you expect to win people like us over if you're just straight up rude to us, you treat us like like a like a like a separate class of citizen. Um, but anyway, so I did ask a question because, as Katie said beforehand, I wanted to see what his platform was, and he's pitching this thing called the Real Deal, which is atrocious tax and spend liberalism. That's all it is. It's just tax and spend liberalism. And his main argument is that oh, it's better. Then, you know, this Medicare, instead of fighting a losing battle over Medicare for all and all this, you know, this is stuff that we can we can accomplish. But really, all it is is just tax hikes and increased government spending. Um, 
And so I asked him about it. I said, you know, my question was exactly that. You know, how do you, you know, you talk about your case is that you can go into these purple states and win over Donald Trump supporters. But when I look at your plan online, I see a lot of tax hikes. I see bringing back some old taxes. And um, I see a lot of increased spending. And to me, Donald Trump's just going to point to you and go, he's just your classic tax and spend liberal. And, you know, how how are you going to defend yourself against what's a really simple attack? Like and that? after Max asked that question, it was literally the most excited we'd seen him all day. He was like, oh, oh man, oh, he almost jumped through the roof. So glad you asked me. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, man, I've been waiting to answer that question. Like no one had ever like no one had ever called out his plan. No one had <laughs> ever like looked at his plan and been like, this is terrible. this is this is garbage. Um, you know, this is just reflexive liberalism, which is what it was. It's just, you know what he is? He's generic Democrat. Oh, this completely. was my take. My main takeaway on Michael Bennett is that when they do the polling, you know, generic Republican or generic Democrat, Michael Bennett is generic Democrat. He's like angry and just wants to tax people to high hell and spend a bunch of money. And it's just like, what's the like, what's the hook here? But so he was really happy. So he was really happy and he went more and more and more. And then a guy after me asked about the debt and the $400 billion a year we spend servicing the debt and all of the money, you know, that China's, you know, all the bonds that China's bought, all that. And he starts, you know, talking about, you know, raising taxes and being fiscally responsible and balancing the budget that way. And he never really talks about the other thing you can do to balance a budget other than increase revenues, which is decrease costs. Yeah. So I I was getting so angry. Like, I don't know if the rest of you, but like when I get angry, I start feeling like very hot. I can feel flush in the face. And like, you just I could feel it. I could legitimately feel I'm sitting. I'm sitting next to Katie in this very tiny. So I'm just like silently fuming about how very much I disagree with this person spewing what I consider to be lies and terrible ideas. And he's just telling this guy who asked a very good question about what are we going to do about the interest and the debt about how we're just going to tax people out of it. And I just couldn't contain myself. And I blurted out, why wouldn't you just cut spending? And from there went, well, you know, he wants to cut, you know, he wants to end the endless wars. And... Katie wants to talk to him about cutting, you know, the waste, fraud, and abuse. Well, he asked me, he asked me, what what would you cut? cut? What would you cut? What would you cut? And so I was basically like every government program. Yeah, Katie's Katie's like the whole thing. She's like, let's start with eliminating. It's like Ron Swanson. First, I'd like to start with eliminating streetlights, and then I'd like to bring everything else crashing down. Fundamentally... I, I believe, and I think Max also believes, I believe in the Constitution. I believe in limited government. I believe in states' rights. So the federal government should not have this giant budget. They shouldn't yes. be taxing a bunch of people. So the, all of these government entities that exist should not exist. So to me, it was just all a debacle. And everything that the liberals complain about, why is college so expensive? It should all be free. Why is healthcare so expensive? It all should be free. And it's like everything that the government has tried to weasel its way into has gotten worse. Like, like higher education used to be not inexpensive, but reasonable. And then the government stepped in and was like, we'll help you out. And all of a sudden costs are sky high because they know they can just charge whatever they want. 
and the government's going to give out loans. And yep. it's, it's not exactly the same in healthcare, but it's definitely a, an issue there. And it was just very frustrating. I just get very frustrated when liberals don't want to look at the actual problems and they're just like, well, we'll just tax our way out of it. Exactly. So they got to do a little bit. I mean, his answers really weren't that good either, but it was just, it was one of those moments. And anyways, so we have that. He answers a couple more questions. He leaves. We got a picture with him. Obviously, well, he was like running out, and I was like, "Oh, running can we get a picture?" Get I was like, picture. "This guy, this, frankly, excuse my language, asshole, who I couldn't stand sitting through, is not going to break our streak of getting photos because we had gotten a photo with Tulsi, we got a photo with Yang, we got a photo with Booker. He, this guy, talking to ten people, was not going to ruin our photo oh, streak. B- by the way, the only reason we got a photo with Booker is because Trump killed Soleimani that night, and Booker was <laughs> Booker was booked on CNN and MSNBC, and to the best of our knowledge, got bumped. Uh, to later in the night because of the breaking news. So thank you, President Trump. We got a picture of Cory Booker out of that as well. Which, Not only did which you we might talk people- about later, but double thanks because Slomani is a horrible person. We are glad he's we're probably not going to talk about glad he's gone from this earth. But um, anyway, so we we nabbed a photo with him. We nabbed a photo with that, and he literally and then, ran out. And he runs out. So we're gathering up our things, and this girl our age comes up to us and she had been there she was a reporter yeah she was there with headphones on and a giant microphone she had the big microphone the recording thing she was interviewing booker beforehand she was recording sorry interviewing bennett beforehand doing the entire thing and she comes up to us she's like hey do you mind if i ask you a few questions sure turns out this woman named lauren she works for nhpr they're doing a podcast called stranglehold um it's awesome it's awesome you should listen to after, it after after you listen to our episode go and check it out go and check out <laughs> stranglehold yeah after you listen to this listen to stranglehold it's absolutely phenomenal it's about it does the whole history of the new hampshire primary and what's going on and all that um but we talked with her for a little bit and she asked us some questions basically about like now that i've listened to the podcast <laughs> it makes very much sense what she was asking me about which is like what do you think about the new hampshire primary you know what are you doing why do you do this you know like who do you support and it's like oh we're actually trump supporters like and she was like have any of them swayed you and we're just like no like we're 100 percent voting like, for trump. no we're we're voting we're voting for trump but you know we're just kind of you know we're like katie said we're political junkies we're, we're out here to have fun and you know i she and asked some questions about like for me i grew up in california and these sorts of things just don't happen because by the time the primary gets to california it's basically in the bag mm-hmm. so i never got the opportunity to go to these town halls it is fascinating it is it really is. amazing to hear the candidates speak for 30 40 minutes without interruption without cable news telling you what you th- you should think about what they're saying and form your own opinions about it it really is interesting. Like, yes, you could read about it, but it's different when you get the vibe from them. Like, yeah. when we listen to Tulsi, you could really, like, feel her sincerity. And when you listen to Corey, you really appreciated his self-deprecating humor. And that was very engaging. Yeah. And when you spoke, listen to Bennett, you just thought he was a total asshole. Sorry. He was just a poor mm-hmm. speaker and wasn't engaging. And you don't get those things when you no. listen to cable news. No, I'd say the other striking thing about it you can just walk in and listen. You don't have to go through a metal detector or anything. It's just... Access. Complete access, 100%. So after Bennett... So we talked to the NHPR girl for a little bit, 
woman. I'm sorry. She's a young woman. She's like our age. Um, and um, so then we were supposed to go to, to Mayor Pete's We're home. going to Mayor Pete. And we're like, yeah, we're going to Mayor Pete after this. And we're doing Deval Patrick tomorrow. And she's like, oh, wow, Deval Patrick. She's like, I actually spent a couple of days with John Delaney up in Berlin. And we were like, wait, what? He's still like, running? Oh, and man. she's like, yeah. And she didn't know Deval Patrick was running. So anyway, so we gave her Deval Patrick. And now we need to go track down we Delaney. We need to go track down Delaney. Maybe up in Berlin. I'd love to go up to Berlin. Um, so this ended, uh, this started at four. It ended promptly at five. Uh, Mayor Pete was not supposed, doors opened at 6.15. Event, I don't know, probably wouldn't start to 6.45, yeah. 7. So we were just going from Summersworth to Portsmouth, which is like a 25-minute drive. So we're like, all right, we'll like drive down there. I need to get a bubble tea, which a place just opened in Portsmouth. Thank heaven. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, like, I guess we'll like walk around. Let's go check it out. Oh, my gosh. We get there. It's in a very large church. I'm not sure what denomination. Um, And there's a line. And we we hadn't seen a line yet. Mostly because we'd never been on time to anything. That early, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're like, wow. So we're like taking pictures. And then we, we walk we walk in front of the church. We see the line. We walk around the church. It's still going. We walk now the third block around the church. It's still going. We're like, oh, my God. Like, we are not standing in this line. Like, that's not happening. It's mm-hmm. cold. It's a Friday night. Like, we're not doing that. So we go on the fourth block. There's still a line. And I was like, Max let's just like go in a bar and like watch the line yeah. and wait it out. It is wrapped like, all the way around. They're not so going like, to turn us away. Like they want people to hear this message. Like they'll let us in. So we go across the street. Katie has a mojito. I have a beer. We start to see the line move. So we finish up. We walk out. Turns out we were like some of the last few people that they were. But it, they moved that in. line impressively. They that moved was that line probably five hundred people. Five hundred people. They moved Easy. in like Easy. fifteen minutes. It was yeah. impressive. It was the largest crowd. It was standing room only. We stood in the back at on, up on, on the, the second floor up balcony, on the, the choir yeah area. Uh, they had a little area in the back for Pete, and so needless to say, Portsmouth's. Portsmouth's, Portsmouth's for Pete. all in on Pete. Portsmouth's for Pete, baby. Um, almost uh, a, a short warm up. They had a you know a local so and so come up and say something, and then a woman who was just terrified of the world. Climate change is going to end everything. There's chemicals in our drinking water. It reminds me, she compared the water in Portsmouth to the water in Sri Lanka, which is just an absolute. She just set the stage for this is going to be a lot about climate change. Nut job claim. And sure enough, it really, you're but right, But she Katie. wasn't even the best. The best was the guy after her who owns Stonyfield Farms around oh, the area. this guy who let the cat, unknowingly let the cat out this of the bag. This was a moon's bat, moon's bat. Oh, this guy, he, he still has, he still has the Howard Dean sticker on his car. Oh my God. He was horrendous. You know, he was like, this is, you know, I thought that George H. Bush was or, I thought Reagan got elected, this is the worst thing in the world. And then when George W. Bush got elected, I knew this was the worst thing in the world. And then Trump happened. He unknowingly let the cat out of the bag is that these people And then he was are, like, I wish they I I wish they were I here. wish they could come back. These people are emotional cripples. Pardon pardon the term, but these are stunted emotional people. They 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 are children. 
They, uh, they have never matured. Everything that goes against what they want is the end of the world. Yeah. So we get those introductions, and I'm like, here we go. This, like, this is a real thing. And so then Pete comes out. He's got, like, a security tape, like you see at the airport in yeah. front of him, and, like, set people in the back with signs like this is clearly for tv mm-hmm. and he does his spiel and he's blabbing and he had a security guy off to the side too yeah and yeah, he's yeah, blabbing that guy, was, that guy was packing he's blabbing and i'm like all right this like we gotta i wonder what mayor pete thinks about guns in church considering he had a uh, protection with him there so he's blabbing and i'm like we we've got to be almost at questions by now i look down he came on at seven it had been like 10 minutes and i was like oh my god i am not gonna make it through this like this is horrendous like how do people like him he is so not engaging he's not interesting he has zero sense of humor he was i don't know you know i i just remember back in the early part of the primary when he was the flavor of the month he was you know the new hot thing and he was you know interesting to listen to but you listen to it this is like i was bored to tears it was, yeah, I, like i don't many i don't know how many of y'all feel like this but i like politics to a point like i will watch cable news but as soon as the first boring ish person comes on i'm like okay i'm like out like i am out that's like pete like we sat through tulsi very interesting she had different points of view we talked we sat through booker he was great speaker weaved in his thoughts with stories and then we get to pete and it's like oh why am i here all we need to say about pete is that we both did the same thing that thing where you're like Man, we, he's got to get the question soon. He was droning on and on and on. You, you're watching it spend 10 minutes. And you're just like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I've, made a huge, <laughs> I've mistake. made a huge mistake. It's Friday night. I should That's be at happy really hour. Why was. am I here? <laughs> That's really what it was. And, and like, you know, he's just. He's terrible. It's like. I'm, I don't get it. It's I like don't someone, get it. It's like someone grabbed everyone from Madison Avenue and was like, can you create a gay socialist who is acceptable to middle America? And they came out with Pete Buttigieg. And it's just like, okay, you're you. are You You know, like, I got it. Um, I, I, I just. Nothing that he ever I, I just I don't know. He's like he's like off white paint. He's just so ugh. He's just it's just it's just you know I just I just don't understand. He, I, it's like the I think the most mind blowing Paul Ryan-y, maybe yeah, the most mind blowing point part of that whole town hall was not how boring he was. It was not how many people were there. It was one of the questions where someone stood up and said. I've heard rumors that Trump is going to refuse to debate the Democratic candidate. What are you going to do about this? Because debating is one of your strong suits. I almost fell out of my standing position. I was like, like, huh? What? I don't think he's had a good debate yet. Yeah, I was like, this guy? The guy that almost fell asleep on five minutes into his presentation? He's he's a good debater? What is she, like funny or something? I was Um, like, these people are delusional. But maybe that's why they like him. I don't know. It has... It has to be. I, I truly. You're right. That's, I don't get that's, it. That was, that was a great thing. I forgot about that. Just absolutely insanity. Um, 
No, I mean, the questions were just off the walls. I mean, all of the, you know, oh, what are you going to do about chemicals in our drinking water? Like, what the, <laughs> what are you talking Have about? you heard of a Brita? You know, it's just, just For making up. These people, these people are afraid of their shadow. And so it really was just an insane amount of fear mongering from the crowd combined with Pete just, you know, being the CIA asset that he is. And it's just boring. It's just, you were there and you're just like, ugh. And how is it exciting? The worst part about him was he broke our streak of photos. Yeah. He didn't take photos with people. No photos. So we couldn't get a photo. So Pete sucks. Don't vote for him. Yeah, He's the worst. Not big not big on Pete. I wasn't I wasn't super impressed with him. He was just like Alright, let's move on for Pete. I'm over him. Yeah. So anyways, so the next day is playoff Saturday. Playoff Saturday. So we got the we had the the Bills Texans in the afternoon and the Patriots Titans at night. But at four thirty kickoff time for the Bills Texans, we had another kickoff at the Water Street bookstore in Exeter, New Hampshire. Great little bookstore. If you're over in Exeter, please check it out. Um we got the former governor of Massachusetts. Deval Patrick. Coop Deval Patrick. Um, which was just, fin- I mean, this was talk a- about something just completely falling into our laps. Also, this was another like, oh, this is going to be like a Michael Bennett. Like, There's mm-hmm. only going to be 10 people. Like, we should make sure we have questions. And we get there uh, probably five minutes after it was supposed to have quote unquote started. Like, mm-hmm. it's supposed to start at 4.30. We were probably like five or 10 minutes late. And we walk in and it's packed i mean it's not a very big store so there weren't there was probably like tulsi size crowd like it was, 50, tulsi, 60 it was people. a tulsi size crowd but it was a good it was a good showing i was crowd. like whoa i was expecting a michael bennett showing so like i'm already impressed and duvall came in did a spiel for about 15 minutes maybe and then it was like let's just have a converse he's like it was basically like i didn't prepare anything more than this so just ask but, me questions. okay but to set it up he was um much more engaging than Bennett. Yes. Very interesting. Uh, he had some self-deprecating humor. Yes. He's not the tallest guy. He's like, oh, but you were expecting someone to, like, I look taller on I'm TV. Short, I'm shorter in person, aren't yeah, I? something silly like that. That was a nice, like, icebreaker. Uh, he had a very, he has a, if you don't know Deval Patrick's personal story as well, I would say his story might be the most, um, uh, incredible of the candidates, just in terms of where he started out in life, yeah, like his family circumstances he, growing up yeah, to where he is now. He explained that he grew up on like the south side of Chicago and mm-hmm. ended up at a prep school in New England. Max will know the name. Milton I know Academy. There you go. And he is basically explaining how he was now living in two completely different worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh. And that was super interesting. Is also something that you know liberals love. Uh, yeah, it's something that liberals like to point out. But 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 I will I will say I will say for me it was really um, I already knew his personal story. But you know when you hear him talking about it, you know you just go okay. So he's like coming from this from a different perspective. But you know his whole pitch was basically like when I left Massachusetts, Massachusetts was in a really good was in a really good place, which is one hundred percent true. Like, other than taxes in Massachusetts, there's a ton of jobs there. There's a ton of job creation. Yeah, they need to fix the traffic in the city. Yeah, there's some other stuff they need to do. But for the most part, Massachusetts is... Not terrible. 
No, no, no. It's 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 one of the few liberal states that you could point to and you can go, well, things aren't that bad outside of Methadone Mile. Uh, but that's a Boston issue. That's just a city issue in Democrat places. Um, but anyways, yeah, Massachusetts is not that bad. So we opened it up for questions. And this is when I was finally able to point to Katie and go, you see, this is why we go to things like this. And... The first couple of questions were pretty mild. You know, oh, my big issue is climate change. What are you going to do about, you know, banning carbon? You know, ban carbon. I'm going to ban, you know, oil drilling on public lands, private no, lands. No, it was also like, will you make a commitment to stop mining for fossil fuels on public and private lands? Yeah. And like, he was basically like, well, on public, like, I can do it. Private, it's a little trickier. He's like, it's and of course, she's like, but make a commitment to private lands. And he's like, I just told you he's it's like, going to be more difficult. I'll make a commitment to work on it. But he's like, he's like very practical. Like, that was the other thing about Deval. He was like, there's like a practicality to him that doesn't work in the Democrat primary because he's like, well, you know, it's a little like to get stuff like that done because I've had to do it. It's like a little more nuanced. It's not like flipping a switch. And the activists are all like, how dare you? It's like you're a child. Don't don't be a child. Um, that like and so anyways, there was a girl who did that. And then there were two questions that were basically back to back that were phenomenal. And the first was this boomer (laughs) (laughs) the militant one the militant moderate i like first of all he starts out he got as soon as this guy got the floor he was like this is my moment this is my moment this is my one shining moment he's like he's like andy warhol everyone gets 15 minutes of fame this guy is like this is my 15 minutes of fame and I'm going to roll with I'm it. I'm going to reap it raw. And work. this guy had a rant prepared. And let me tell you, he was going to make sure that everyone in the room heard the rant. And 90% of it was uncreative insults about Donald Trump. 5% of it was him plotting, applauding himself for being what he considered to be a moderate, which is really just a radical left-wing nut job. And the other 5% was people telling him to get a move on and ask his question. It was just it the, was just the insanity. Best, the best part. Not, nothing made sense of what he was saying. He just rambled on and on and on. You know, I used to, uh, when I was in college, something that I did was I, uh, I worked in the uh, White House call center. So I used to field calls from people who thought that they were going to talk to George W. Bush. And... You know, they were like, oh, hi, my name's Jesus Christ, and I would like to talk to George W. Bush. This is what that guy reminded me of. He's like, I'm Jesus Christ, and I would like to talk to you, Deval Patrick, about how how we're going to save America. The the best part was Deval, bless his soul, he didn't have any microphones there, and it was— it was a decent-sized crowd, and so someone would ask a question, and they wouldn't project because they were, like, a foot from him. So they're just kind of talking to him as you would— to someone who's a foot from you and so he would go did everyone hear giselle's question did yeah. everyone hear matt's question or whatever and so when this militant moderate went on for forever and finally asked a question he was like did everyone hear i don't remember his name militant moderate's mm-hmm. question and people were like yeah we heard it was like a very like this guy's gots to go uh that was one of my favorite parts like even your fellow liberals think you're too much 
So, like, maybe, like, tone it back a bit. Yeah, it was... It was out there. It was... And then, oh, the best one. There was there was a guy there. Uh, I think his name was Matt. Uh, he was a public school teacher. So his first question was, I teach eighth grade, and a lot of my kids aren't going to go to college. What are you going to do about... Uh, enabling more students to do vocational training, which is a great question because more kids should be going into vocational training and not into college. It's not necessary for a lot of Americans. So like, great, great question. And then he gets to ask a second question because the group's not very large. And he goes, I have a daughter and I am concerned that her reproductive rights are being threatened. Amazing. He's, he's basically asking is it okay for my what three-year-old daughter when she's older I to, to make, be able to get an abortion? I want to make sure that if my daughter wants to have an abortion, she can have an abortion. It's and like, it's like, what so the hell are you talking about? Backwards to me, like, what dad of a three-year-old is thinking about his future daughter getting, like, having sex and getting pregnant and needing to abort a kid? It's just mind-boggling. Like, why is that top of mind to you? It why? Was truly bizarre. And then, um. And so we had that, and then we had, oh, the angry girl next to us. Oh, she was a pill. Angry girl. So angry girl next to us. So so we were next to two girls. One, uh, a girl named Giselle, who did not look like Giselle. <laughs> um, that's not That's me. the one who was like, will you ban fossil fuels on private land? I'm not, being, I'm not being disparaging. I'm just simply saying these people have the same name. Anyway. This was... This was an Irish. This was like an Irish girl from Southie, um, <laughs> um, and then um, not the same person. And then her little friend next to her, with the multicolored hair, and the militant feminist, you know, fist on the hip, you know, matter of fact, um, just going after her. well you didn't really answer her question about climate change and goes into it and uh she goes and and devolves like well i think i did you know i talked about you know how on public plant on public lands yeah i'm committed private it's a different conversation she's like well you want to make carbon illegal he's like well you know like no no, no. her know. main thing was like you you got into this race late you need yes. to make a big that's when she you, started that, you need to make a big down statement this road you need to Basically, you need to make say something controversial so you'll get to the news and get people excited about you. And you like, need to take a you? big stand on something in order to like make news. Like, like she used like she's like backing up her friend, and then you're right, Katie. She jumps right. And in then this, the like, weirdest part was he asked her like, "Who do you support?" Something like that. Yeah. And she was like, "Well, I can't say because I'm working." And it's like, huh? Are you like a plant from some other campaign? Yeah. Are you like some weirdo from the DNC? She like, was. who are you? She was like from some organization or something or whatever. And uh, so they go back and forth a little bit. And but it's she, also like, why do you need to say that? Why don't you just say I'm uncommitted? She was getting like really worked up about it too. Like she like spent like a minute kind of like dressing Deval Patrick down being like, yeah, basically, you like, your terrible, campaign is a train wreck. Let me tell you how to run this it. This is a train wreck. This is a terrible campaign. You haven't done... You're getting into the race late, and you're not willing to take a bold stance on anything. Why should any of us listen to you? Like, how are you going to, like, win? Like, how are you going to do all this? And Devolve Patrick 
answer at the end of all of this in the back and forth of like who do you support oh for someone and he goes well you run your campaign and i'll run mine and turns around and this was a little bit of a common theme with deval like he would legitimately like kind of like he would push back he would push back a little bit i liked it he's like you know it was it was it was good question and her he's like i'm not gonna take crap and her persistence like, you know, when you kind of go to new things, you're like, maybe I could do this. Like, I'm mm-hmm. very inspired. And then you hear this person, you're like, nope, I couldn't do it. Nope, I wouldn't want to deal with that shit. No, nope, yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah, you just be like, for, for lack of a better term, and this is not safe for work, but most people, if they got into that, would just look at her and be like, fuck off. <laughs> and continue on with their day. It's, you know, like, go away. What are you doing? Like, you don't have a question. You're giving me unsolicited, yeah, angry advice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, opinions are like buttholes. Everyone's got one and they all stink. Um, but yeah, she like wanted to get, and she was like, afterwards, she was just like huffing. And she was like, someone huffing. came up to her and said something, I forget what, and she was like, yeah, you know, I I asked a question to Tim Kaine, and I got thrown off the stage, and I was like, you're just an annoying person. Yeah, like, you're who just, wants to be around yeah, you? Yeah, you're just, you're just one of those people. So that was that. So anyway, know, and that was Duvall. So that was Duvall. We got a picture with Duvall. Got yeah. Got a picture with Duvall. Um, it was good. It was very interesting. And then um, from then, it's... So Where we, do we go next? So then we, so then we had a little bit of a lull because that was on Saturday. Yeah, and the candidates are kind of splitting their time between Iowa and New Hampshire right now, and some of them, <coughs> Joe Biden, <coughs> are like nowhere to be seen. Uh, so we had a little bit of a lull. Um, Actually, but, when you do that for Biden, it should be a sniff. It should be a car. Should be a sniff. <laughs> Joe. So Joe. Joe Biden. We saw that um, Yang was coming to Portsmouth. Uh, this Thursday, yesterday. And I was like, ooh, I really want to go because, like, we got a picture, but we really didn't get to hear anything he had to say. Uh, but he was also supposed to be in Dover tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, yeah, Saturday. Saturday. At 5.30. But as you may or may not know, I'm from San Francisco and the Niners are playing. And, like, I really don't want to miss that game. And As it's, much as Katie loves politics, she's <laughs> not going to skip it. She's not going to skip a Niners playoff game. It's smack game. in the game of the Niners game at 5.30. Smack in the middle of the Niners yeah. game. Yeah, and I was smack like, so I don't know. And so we both have really long commutes. We commute like an hour and a half after work. So we weren't sure if we were going to make it. And I, on top of that, I had to go to like an after work event. But by golly, we made it. And so this is, coincidentally, it was supposed to be at a brewing company. It was supposed but they, to be at a place called Earth Eagle Brewing Company, right. which if you're ever in Portsmouth, go there. It's yeah. awesome. But they changed it to the same location as Pete. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. So so when we saw this event, we saw that Yang was going to be at Earth Eagle. We had already been to the Nashua event. And we're like, that is way too small of a space for him there is no way they can hold an event there that's going to be an absolute unmitigated disaster we have to avoid this because it's just going to be nuts and then we saw they changed it to the church where pete was at and we're like that makes a lot more sense this unh crowd is going to come in there's going to be a ton of people there yeah so i like managed to make it to the parking lot by like 7 20 and the doors are supposed to open at 7.30. So I'm like, okay, great. So I'm walking over. Max is like on his way. So I'm expecting like a Pete type thing. So I'm like, it's probably going to be yep. a line. Like, where should I go and hang out? Because this is a very cold night. It's like 22 degrees. And I was like, I'm not freaking standing in line. Like, that. I'm not about that life. 
So I walk up and there's no one outside. And I look at my watch. I'm like, am I late? No, no it's 730. I'm like right on time. There are gang signs. And I go in and there's just there's just no line. People are just sitting in the pews and there's plenty of space. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just like wait for Max. So that was interesting. It's super awesome like in my opinion to be able to see two candidates at the same space and really see the difference in the two now I don't want to say that no one was there that he had a good amount of people like he filled pretty much the first floor give or take there were a few empty seats so like he didn't fill the balcony at all that was empty Pete filled the balcony completely and there was some standing room so he probably had what do you think like a half of the size of Pete a two-thirds the size of Pete I'd say he was probably at half the size of Pete maybe yeah maybe like 55 60 percent like let's say if we said Pete was yet Yang way underestimated the crowd he's like maybe there's like 120 people there no it was probably more like the 200 to 250 range um it was it was a good group it wasn't as big as Pete's you know did Pete get help by it being not a school night? Maybe there were a lot yeah, of Pete, there were a lot of there were a lot of like Pete elementary was Friday and night school kids and high school right, kids. Pete at was this, there. Pete was six fifteen on a Friday night. Really started at like six forty five seven, and Andrew Yang was seven thirty on a Thursday night. Yeah, so there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of a difference there. Like I certainly think that I think an Andrew Yang event at UNH would probably outdraw a Pete event if I was to guess. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like the 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 Pete event, but it was cool because we got a seat downstairs this time, um, and um, and we got to see Andrew Yang, who has been making waves in the state. And we remember we'd only seen two questions, so we really didn't get any of him. Really, like it's not fair to judge a candidate on two questions that he answers. It's like watching someone on cable news. Katie, you start. Okay, so he, so let me preface this by, I only had a viewpoint of him as the two questions he answered where I felt he was kind of terse and kind of tired. And I had just come from Tulsi where she was very warm and very like unity. And he had even brought up that a Republican had come up to her and said he was uncomfortable saying he was Republican on campus and how we should all respect each other. And so I was like in that mindset and then, not that Yang said anything against that, but he was just kind of terse with his answers. So I was like, I'm not really feeling him. And then all I really knew about him was that he wanted to give everybody $1,000 a month and pay for it with another freaking tax, a value-added tax. So I was like, this guy is like not in my wheelhouse. Like he is everything I hate about Democrats. So we get there and uh, he starts talking and he's got a lot of that self-deprecating humor that Booker had. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, like, let's go. Um he starts talking a lot about the problems and I will give it to Yang. He's one, he's very smart. And two, he definitely diagnoses the problems. It's just like Trump did. Trump also diagnosed the problems like the media and liberals like to say Trump's a buffoon, but he's not. Trump is extremely smart. And I think Andrew Yang is also very smart. And so that was very interesting. And I was kind of nodding along. And then and then he gets to his solutions. And that's where I get kind of like... I don't know. And his uh, solutions are he, he well, what he said in his speech was we're you know, we're going to give everyone a thousand dollars. Anyone over the age of 18 gets a thousand dollars a month. OK, so first I'm like, Ugh, why can't we just give everyone a tax credit? But anyway, 
And he's like, we're going to pay for it by uh, making the big tech companies like Amazon pay taxes. They pay nothing in taxes. In my head, I'm like, okay, how are you going to do that? Because they're using the tax code the way it was written to incentivize businesses to reinvest in themselves. So like if you punish them, you're punishing everybody. But okay, let, I'll suspend my disbelief. And then he's like, and uh, we're going to, you know, pay you for the data you have on the Internet. And I'm like, this is my wheelhouse. Like, I'm in digital advertising. I don't know how you're going to do that. And he does not even talk about his value added tax. So to me, he it's not that he's lying, but he's kind of just skirting the issue and not explaining exactly what's happening. But I give it to him that he also said, you know, when Trump got elected, uh, he did a lot of the public speaking thing that they tell you to do, which is engage the audience, either like ask them a question, have them raise their hands, ask them for feedback. So he did a lot of that. He was like, where was everybody from? Like here in New Hampshire, out West, blah, blah, blah. People raise their hands. And then he did the like, how did you feel after Trump got elected? And people screamed out like angry. And I don't remember all the things they shouted out, but he was like, I was interested. Like I wanted to know why people voted for Trump. So I, he's very number, he's very numbers oriented. So he's like, I went and looked in the data and he, I don't remember all the things Max and Philly went on it, but he's basically like, he saw that there were, you know, 5 million manufacturing people who had been laid off by their jobs being taken away by automation. And most of them went on disability, like a very small percentage went and went through the government programs that are available them to them to get reskilled. And so his big thing is that this is the third, third, fourth, whatever, industrial evolution, and that we basically need to take care of fourth. people. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like, I get it. Like the world is changing. But my biggest issue, and I actually raised my hand to ask a question, which mind you, I would never do that because I just I'm not into that. But I genuinely wanted to ask him, like, number one you're not being honest with everyone. Like, how are you going to pay for this? You say that it's a value-added tax, but a value-added tax plus an income tax plus a federal tax plus a social security tax, we're just being taxed to death and we're really not getting any money. And number two, your whole point of this, quote-unquote, freedom dividend to give value to people who have been taken out of the workforce because of automation, $12,000 a year, you cannot live on that. So like you're still, you're giving a handout. These people are not going to feel valued. They're still going to be depressed. They're still going to go to drugs. Like what is your solution for Mm -hmm. making these people feel valued? And that's the question I still have outstanding to him. And so we may get pizza and beer with him tomorrow. So I might get to ask him, but let's, I'll give it over to Max to give his, his point of view. Sorry, did I, did I talk too much? No, 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 you didn't talk too much. I'm just trying to kind of figure out where uh, where I want to go with this. I While you think, I was very amped because I like Andrew in that he's, he's smart. Mm-hmm. He diagnoses the, the problems correctly. He's yes. not a fear or an anger monger. He appreciates everyone. Uh, but he, I think he has some incorrect solutions and he's also like of course on the climate change and a bunch of other democratic things that i'm just like i don't agree with that at all did that help you formulate your thoughts i'm going to preface everything that i say that with i believe that if donald trump 
is unable to be reelected as the president of the United States, the only person that I would feel comfortable from the Democrat Party taking over the country is Andrew Yang. I would agree with that. He's the first Democrat I've ever seen where I'm just like, I would be okay taking a flyer on you. Like, let's see what you can do. Like, I would be okay being like, kudos to you. You did X, Y, Z correctly. And I'd probably criticize you for V, Y, X, whatever. And most Democrats, I'm just like, everything you're saying is just completely wrong. Yeah. I, I so, so I think Katie hit the nail on the head. This is someone who spent a lot of time as you said, I think that I think the thing about Andrew, one, he's really funny. He's has he's, so he's much self-deprecating he, humor. He's, legit, he's legitimately really funny. Number two, if you don't know his background, look up his background. This is someone who's not like some leftist ideologue. He's 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 someone who truly believes in entrepreneurship and business and starting business and and doing all that and helping in in his community and um you know using his 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 stature to to do good and he, like let me give you a few examples of his self-deprecating humor or just his humor in general he was like how many of you work at a nonprofit? some people raise their hands how many people are you how many of you volunteer at a nonprofit? and like i don't know 60 percent raise their hand he's like everyone should be raising their hands this is basically a question of like are you a good person yeah, even does. if you don't do it just raise even your if hand you don't do it just raise your hand it was it was it was a lot, it was of, a lot of those like kind that. of jokes it was that kind of humor of like even if you don't it's like kind of passing a test like am i a good person <laughs> um uh it was pretty funny it's like oh you know and he failed at my business and even then my parents would still tell people that i was a lawyer even <laughs> though that i wasn't a lawyer you know because like Asian parents and Asian parents. Um, and then the one other line that I thought was funny was uh, he's a very successful person. Like he built his own company, sold it like he's a successful person. And he says, like, after all that, I started this nonprofit and I got to sit down with Obama and got a picture with him. And my parent, my in-laws are finally like, look at him. I guess our daughter did OK. <laughs> <laughs> like, stuff like you know, that like, that he kind of weaves in that you're just like, yeah. that's like a normal person, like funny thing to say you're like you're like oh yeah this is you know he's he's a human unlike <laughs> pete pete's very robotic Ugh. and you're with andrew yang you're like oh wow there's a human speaking to me this is so strange um what happened what was the, the simulation broke um <laughs> no i i think look i you know he obviously spent a lot of time talking about his freedom dividend which I'm sure we'll probably do a podcast on at some point in the next 30 days about Andrew Yang's platform and have a debate about it because um, it is a very unique idea. It's interesting idea. I would encourage you to go read about it. I think Tiny or Katie hit the name on the head. Sorry, that's my nickname for <laughs> Katie hit the hit the nickname on the head where uh, hit the hit. The, <laughs> you can hit the nail on the head of saying you know it's intriguing especially when it's not oh we're just slapping a thousand dollars on top of everything else like no there's gonna be stuff that's taken away like you can either get social security disability ssdi or you can get a thousand dollars a month um i think katie's question katie's future question to him is a very interesting one which is you know you talk about you know this thousand dollars a month is going to be great and all these truckers are going to be losing their jobs but twelve thousand dollars a year doesn't replace the truckers income where are they going to make up that gap um, and their worth like i'm actually reading his worth. book and he talks about how people don't 
feel like when you lose your job, you feel you get very depressed and like what's wrong with you and just getting a handout, whether or not everyone else gets it, like that's not going to help you with your self-worth. No, no, it's not. He does. He does. And one thing that he I could really go on for how much I, 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 I really think he's he's a really interesting candidate um, and, and someone who's really worth listening to. But one thing that he does talk about, which is 100 percent correct, he's like, you look at the things that the media tells us are marks of a good economy, a low unemployment rate. Uh, the Dow is higher than ever. We just broke 29,000 for the first time. You know, um, GDP, it continues to grow. And he's like, but what about the other things we're talking about? We're talking about decreased life expectancy three years in a row. Life expectancy has gone down in the United States. We have increased drug abuse. We have increased rates of suicide. We have increased rates of young people killing themselves. We have, you know, an epidemic of middle-aged men who are who are killing themselves or falling victim to addiction. Um, there's a lot of things that are going on in our economy that are working well for, you know, a select group of people but there are another group of people that are being left behind and are really suffering out there and i think it's something that no trump supporter would be surprised to hear because that was exactly trump's message that what's been happening like this system that we have has been working for like it worked for trump very well he's like but it's not working for everyone like i'm seeing people getting screwed um and andrew yang has very much the the same premise which is like like this like there's something wrong here like we're missing something and by the way if you think it's bad now it's about to get a thousand times worse when ai starts to take over you know and he really does point out it's like what's the most common job in the economy retail clerk truck driver truck drivers you know in 29 states the most common occupation is truck drivers so you've got retail associates and truck drivers he's like well we just had a robotic truck deliver 20,000 pounds of butter across the country why butter i don't know but that's if you look up robot butter truck it's a real thing y'all it's a real thing um and my first question was how do they gas it there's there is a human who is there for safety obviously because it's a test it's a prototype but anyways this technology is not as far off as you think it is this is his point essentially it's like we're gonna be replacing truck drivers he's like how many of you gone into a place and ordered something on a kiosk instead of from a human like this retail clerk thing or like you go to a supermarket you go into walmart you go in any of these places they have those self-serve things you know you just scan your items bag it pay and go so it's here. This technology is here. It's here to stay. And so that's really the big pitch around the freedom dividend is essentially the, well, let's just inject money back into these, lo- sorry, these local economies. Yeah, I think my issue is, my big issue is the value-added tax on top of all the other taxes. Like if I had talked to him, I would have been like, in New Hampshire, we're blessed with the fact that we don't have sales tax and we don't have income tax, but we've lived in states where you have all of those things and to add in another value add tax is extremely hard on people. And I just don't think that throwing another tax is going to solve this. No. Uh, but I also understand that most of us are buying things on Amazon and they're not paying taxes. Okay, so if you're going to try to tax them, the only way to do that is to basically take away in the tax code that you can reinvest your money into research and development. So if you do that for all companies, you're going to see just 
a huge amount of issues and a lot of other businesses that don't deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to carve out a special like giant tech tax only that they're not allowed to take out things for research and development. Uh, it's a lot of open questions. Mm-hmm. And to me is a very slippery slope. Uh, and also, uh, I think the same issues exist in healthcare. Like, yes, like healthcare is a huge issue. Like people shouldn't be going bankrupt when they get cancer. Uh, but we also don't want to, we also don't want to de-incentivize pharmaceutical companies to not invest in research and development. That's how cancer is at its lowest rate in years. Like we want to make sure those things are still going, but people shouldn't also be going bankrupt because they happen to get cancer. So it's just a huge conundrum and I just haven't seen any actual solutions really from either side. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think that covers it. I, I, I want to end a little bit on Trump awesomeness because he did an amazing job with Iran. Anyways, yeah, we'll just say we'll just say we're continuing to go into more events. We we're supposed to see Warren today. I had work a bunch got of work, in the way. Work Unbelievable. Got, work got in the way. It's like this podcast doesn't pay us or something. And uh, we were supposed to go see Marianne Williamson on but Sunday. She stopped her campaign. She suspended her campaign. And couldn't see her in time, guys. That was going to be a hoot. That was our holy grail. I'm really upset. That was that, our, we can't that, see was, that. that was it. Um, a serious blow to morale. So we don't technically have anything on deck because everyone's in Iowa because there's a debate on Tuesday in Iowa. Yep. Um, but the people we still need to see are Tom Steyer, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Amy, Amy Klobuchar, Tom Delaney, John Delaney, John. Sorry, John Delaney. Whatever. He's stupid. Uh, that's six. I think we're missing one. Who are we missing? Bloomy. Bloomberg, who we're never going to see because he's not even campaigning. That's it. So that's who we need to see. We're there. So we're gonna we're gonna get there. We've got we've got thirty. I think it's thirty two days. One, two, three, four. Yeah, 32, 32 days to the primary. Um, okay, but let's end. Let's end with Trump's awesomeness this week. Masterful job. Amazing. So. Let us just back this up. Every, if you listen to the mainstream media, which why would you do that to yourself? Everyone's like, this was an unprovoked attack. Why would he just blow up Soleimani? Not even to take into account the fact that he's a horrible terrorist who's killed hundreds of people. This is not an unprovoked attack. We have been seeing increasing attacks from the Iranians all year long. And we didn't take action until Americans were physically in danger. So... Exactly. Um, so I'll say this. I'm a particularly anti-war. This whole... I was very much on the... And Katie knows this. I was very much on the Tucker Carlson side of things of like, hey, this is not the path we need to be going down. But this was a prime example of how leading with strength is a much better position than leading with apologies. For sure, for sure. So I I I agree. I think Trump was 100% masterful. I like a lot of people was holding my breath that we it would go to war. We don't we, wouldn't, we, don't, we, we war. don't want anything past this. It's like you kill one of ours 
yeah, we took out one of your top guys. And then, you know, like, I think it was very obvious. Iran was like, oh, they're not goofing around. The, at the end of the day, the, the Ayatollah and the people in power in Iran want to stay in power more than they want to engage the United States. So we let them save face a little bit, sh- you know, shoot some rockets off into the desert into around the our base, into the sand around our base, you know, claim you killed a bunch of ours. In reality, no one died. And we go from there. Um, and that's what happened. It was very. Um, and I just really want to drive this point home that Trump led with strength. He took out the person in charge and we did not lose any americans afterwards and what you're left with as an option is pete Buttigieg apologizing for us doing this not just apologizing for us doing it but but there pete yesterday said that we were basically at fault for the downing of that airliner because you know, we had escalated the situation to a point where Iran felt like anything over their airspace needed to go down, and that's why they shot down a, a passenger jet filled with 176 civilians, which is the kind of ham-fisted idiocy that you could expect from a Pete Buttigieg presidency because I really do think he was maybe one of the least impressive people we saw. Um, and But he's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Like He just and, hasn't been exposed to and a lot you of may have thought And that he's a maybe, CIA plant. And you may have thought that oh, well. we were like getting on the Yang train or something. But he also botched this. Mm-hmm. Yang said that it was a mistake for us to take out Soleimani. That's completely incorrect. Yeah, he it botched the, it too. 100% the right pick. And that's... And that and that's why we support Trump and why I think he's doing a great job and it was it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I uh, I I wholly I wholeheartedly second that. Um, yeah, I think I I I love my sports analogies and so I think we're just gonna end it up. Oh, you're looking for a Trump tweet of the yeah, day. Yeah, we, we can't yeah, end another Trump, Trump tweet, tweet of the, of the day. day. Actually, the Trump tweet of the day is the Brad Parscale tweet, the video. The rubber band man. That's what we should bounce out with. Do you want to figure it out? The rubber band song. Okay, fine. We'll go out with what Max wants. So he's got to find it. Yeah. So we're gonna end. We're gonna end with this. Um, This is definitely the Trump Trump tweet of the day. Um, It's from his campaign manager, Brad Parscale. Um, and it's an awesome video. Please go to it, uh, and watch it at Parscale, um, P-A-R-S-C-A-L-E on Twitter. Um, but it's phenomenal. So yeah, much more coming ahead. A lot more campaign stops, a lot more, um, love for our president. We're really hoping to end it with a Trump rally. So hopefully he comes to New Hampshire. Cross your fingers, folks.